And we are back. I had to come racing back from the beloved Keurig device over there, which has complete and unequivocal command over my mind. That's the point in time, because I need coffee. At 641, this is Dr. C from Southern New Hampshire University College of Online and Continuing Education, ringing in on Columbus Day for the illustrious, irascible, Rich Gerard, the man about town, the gadabout, the political... I'm going to call him a political expert, because when I listened to him, I said, I didn't know anything about that. But when it comes to, uh, especially local politics, boy, he knows when these people breathe, comb the hair, and go to the bathroom. So he's on top of things. So this is a great, he runs a great program for that, you know, the news from your own backyard, because all politics is local. And I want to thank Steve. That was a great segment, and I really wish we, we could hang on that all day, um, because we really are. Oh, no, is this another, this isn't picture-taking time, is it? Oh, God, can you make it black and white? Can you get my good side if I turn around? <laughs> Not good. When they come in to take a picture, I have no idea why you're doing that. But it makes me realize that, yep, I look like my dad. <laughs> Actually, he looks better than me. He's 83. <laughs> That's because retirement does agree with him, and I'm happy for him. <laughs> retirement. Anyway, you don't want to wish time away, right? But 642 on Gerard Lodge, but I want to thank uh, all of Rich's guests, uh, for bringing what they bring to the table. You can't get this anywhere else uh, in terms of, you know, great granular in-the-weeds backyard stuff on any other radio station, I don't think, around. I really don't. And uh, Rich just has a remarkable syntax. He's able to string ideas together and really make very poignant statements and observations about things with a tremendous level of accuracy. And I'm not just buttering his bread. I mean that he's... He does a great job with that, and it takes a lot of energy and a lot of resources and a lot of observations, and he does his homework for the benefit of his listening audience. So I do thank him for that, um, you know, again, because he's it. And he's it, and I'm sure he's probably, hopefully, sleeping in today doing something, uh, a real whack thing. And it was great to hear that last segment with Steve. I think Steve McDonald, and um, we talk, he's a, an expert in so many on so many levels. As you can see, he's a blogger. But he's a thinker, and what he brought to the table is really, at this hour of the morning, is pretty tough. But he brought thought that falls under the heading of provocation, right? And how provocation and thought is being challenged. And it always has been. I've been around long enough to remember uh, the riots on the campuses back in the 60s. Yeah, most of it had been revolving around, you know, uh, the Vietnam War. And everyone's exception to that, good, bad, or ugly. And the campuses were very, very violent back then. And you had a lot of these uh, anti-government or anti-establishment groups out there that I recall that were not the nicest in terms of how they made their points, like the Weathermen, uh, Black Panthers, etc. There was a lot of violence going on at the time. You know what's funny, though? Once these people started growing up and growing older, their, their needs... I'm going to say remarkably had to change at some point because some of these people ended up um, slipping under the radar, finishing college and working for the, either the government or working for private industry, um, you know, becoming stockbrokers. When at one point in time they had, had long hair, bell bottoms, peace symbols, and were bombing libraries. But anyway, I digress a little bit, at least to some extent. So the debate as Stephen pointed out, you know, political debate, political ire, political angst is not new in this country, for crying out loud. But what has changed is access to information. 
of which people have to discern between right, wrong, truth or not truth, to help them make some sort of decision. But right now, you're talking about tyranny of information overload, right? It's just uh, very difficult for any one person, any one of us out there right now, when you just, with with the click of a mouse, you can get 6,000 viewpoints on one particular subject, and how do you take a stand? How do you take a position, you know, when you hear? And I find myself with a headache at the end of the week. If you listen to the news more than 15 minutes, you're going to get, you know, a variety of positions, perspectives, observations, and viewpoints, okay? As an example, what you're seeing, I'm trying to get this uh, computer to work here, and it's not working very well. At 6.46, I'm trying to get this computer to work here, and does it need more 10W40 oil? <laughs> anyway, was it Windows 95? Oh, hey, Rich. Let's start a GoFundMe page. Get another computer system. But anyway, um, but what we're seeing is people, it, it, it's very difficult for people to make a decision or a choice about what they need to make a decision or choice about. I.e., when you go into the voting booth, you know, who, who at the right time is going to actually uh, get you to think like them and to change your mind and to align yourself with either a certain group of political thought or take exception to th- something like Steve had been talking about where you don't feel good about it or your timing uh, not timing, or um, you're, di- you're uncomfortable, which I still can't get my head wrapped around what that means being uncomfortable um, in a way. But you know what? I'm pushing 60. I get it uh, you know, because ageism is a real beast out there. It is what it is. You know, you see uh, depictions of uh, people that are older on, say, TV shows. Very few are depicted as a sage-like wise person, you know. Uh, no, mostly they're either, you know, really good at making sauce in the kitchen. They they nag, you know. They, they can't hear that well. You know, they don't think correctly for comedic value. You know, they need help up and down the stairs. You know, I, I don't tell people my age. I'll never forget when my father, who's now 83, he was 61 at the time, and he had come down to watch a, a game of baseball that I was playing in an over-30 league. And uh, he was having a catch with one of the guys on the team. And one of the guys said, geez, you, know, you throw really, really well. How old are you? He goes, I don't tell anybody how old I am. And I, and I said, why, Dad? He goes, because then they'll treat me differently. And I said, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, Dad. But now that I'm there, I get that. People do treat you differently when you are older. There are a lot of assumptions out there made uh, about people as they age. So you're talking about, you know, hey, I'm, I could say I'm uncomfortable all the time, you know, because, um, you know, some, because it's either there, it's subtle, it's overt. I think the commercials on TV, um, you know, are actually some of them are actually disgusting. They're, they're insulting. There's one, one, one commercial on TV, or is it on, on the Internet? Where this older guy, he's touting some sort of health care, health program for older guys so they can look like they're 25 and get, go hit on younger chicks. And, and like, what's wrong with you? You know, grow old gracefully. You know, it, sometimes I think trying to turn back the clock is is disgraceful. <laughs> you know, it, it, it no, grow old gracefully. You know, th- th- to me, that's my particular. Anyway, some great, now let's talk about good news, man. All right, if you are a Red Sox fan, you know, you should be really happy by the absolute destruction that they wrought on the you know, the uh, rather reasonably cocky and arrogant 
Yeah, you can't take it away from them. The Houston Astros, but they pasted them yesterday. It was actually I'm not a Red Sox fan, I'm a Yankee fan, and uh, but you know it's great to see. You know, I, I like that team. How can you not like the Boston Red Sox? I don't care who you're from. You know, you got guys like Ben and Tendy. These guys play for the love of the game right now. You know, they're all good, classy players. You know, they, they, they play well together. They're a great team. Farrell has developed a great chemistry. He's a good fighter for his team. You know, I mean, if, if a guy sneezes, he calls New York for a review. <laughs> you know, um, But Hanley Ramirez was on fire yesterday. He went four for four, and he and he they weren't fluke hits. He was hitting the ball like he had a tennis racket. So yeah, he waved the flag. Believe in Boston. He had waved that flag yesterday. Got everybody going. You know, it was in Fenway Park. You could hear it from the White Mountains. They were really rocking yesterday, and they um, they really put a charge into it. And they they let the Astros know that they're not going away quietly. And Ramirez, he woke everybody up. You know, that's a team leader right there. Uh, but it was great, and David Price pitched four scoreless innings after another Boston starter faltered, and 20-year-old, 20-year-old Rafael Devers, that guy is cool as a cucumber. He had to go ahead homer, and he blasted one to help the Red Sox snap a five-game postseason losing streak, and Mitch Moreland had three of Boston, 15 hits. They nearly they nailed it, so it was a slugfest for the benefit of the Red Sox, and then you'll look last night, you know, I swore to myself I'd never... You know, biting your nails is a nasty habit. God knows where my hands have been. But uh, I don't have any left today after last night's nail biter. And if you're a Yankee fan, you feel good about it. You don't feel that great about it because uh, Girardi blew the game the other night by not getting out of the dugout and waking up from his nap to have a play reviewed where the ball hit the hit the knob of the bat and should have been a foul hip strike three end of inning. And then the next guy gets up and hits a grand slam, which took all the air out of their wind out of the proverbial sails. But they did win last night, one nothing. Both pitchers, Carrasco and Tanaka. You know, if you're not if you're not a fan of pitchers duels, this was a good time to knit a sweater because it was a pitching duel. Uh, their balls look like wiffle balls the way they were throwing it. I don't know how you could hit any one of those things unless you had an extended bat. But they were. If you're a baseball fan, both games yesterday were a lot of fun to watch. You know, and I know by 2 o'clock today, I'm going to be absolute <laughs> junk because first I had to get up early and I went to bed late just watching the end of the game where the uh, where Raldis Chapman, who, throws, who threw uh, some pitches, were 103 miles an hour. I don't even know how you see that. And uh, But with a, uh, he gave up two hits in the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, the top of the ninth inning. Two hits with one out, and then he ended up getting the last two batters out. And then I went to bed delirious, deliriously happy that they stayed alive in Yankee Stadium. And I am happy for the Red Sox. So uh, the heck with you, Indians. Go home and the heck with you, Astros. We don't like you either. 6.52 here on Gerard at Large. And at 7 o'clock, we've got James Myers coming in to talk about learning science. But some cool news in the world of sports. And if anyone's a Giants fan, you can call in. We're having therapy sessions momentarily. <laughs> because that is the worst team in football. And they couldn't beat West High School. So anyway, what else is going on? Who else we got? We got two minutes before we go to break. But let's take a look at some of the political blather that's going on, where you see a, a Trump absolutely slams Corker, who called White House an adult daycare center. This is really, we're sinking to all new lows. See what I mean about this information overload stuff? Okay, what's next? Twitter. 
I, I want to tell the president, listen, man, I don't care what else you do besides cut taxes, which I hope you do. But somebody take that Twitter thing away from him, please. You know, that he is like a gorilla with a hand grenade with that. And I'm sorry. I think he sounds so stupid on that. I don't get it. It doesn't solve anything. Trump's Twitter account has really made a mockery of the presidency. It, it really has. Oh, I mean, stop it. Govern. You know, we don't want, I don't want you, you know, put your thinking into action and get things done. Uh, you know, if you won the presidency and you won largely on the backs of the promises, you're going to cut taxes, which would be really cool because they went up 41% between, what was it, um, 2016, no, no, 2014, and, oh, I'm drawing a blank, but in three years' time, during the last administration, taxes went up 41%, and my beloved spouse and I were absolutely destroyed on our tax returns. We got crushed, and we owed a lot of money, and we're thinking, you know what, after what we take home, the present configuration of the tax system and the code and who bears the burden of it is ridiculous so we do need a tax cut it's terrible we go on a break there my bro it's 654 gerard large dr c ringing in for rich gerard